chat rumors. So, all right. That is the best idea I've ever heard. Okay. okay. Here we go. Oh, let me get the soundboard queued up. And we're going. Let it tap. Hello, you're listening to another very intriguing rapid fire episode. It's another rapid fire episode of the Shop Talk Show. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Dave normally introduces us, but maybe I'll do it this time. I'm here with my co-host Dave Rupert, and I'm Chris Coyer. And I guess we do, are here on the on, on the shop talk where we we talk about we talk shop about mostly front end, sometimes a little back end. I think we have a few back end questions this week. This week again, we're doing one of our favorite types of show: a rapid fire. Oh, oh, yeah! Show, which means no guests. Uh, it doesn't always mean no sponsors, but sadly we don't have any sponsors. If you want to sponsor Shop Talk Show, go to shoptalkshow.com and click a, find a link that says sponsors on it and click it and pay us to talk about your thing because we, I don't know. It's part of the deal. We, we wish we had some sponsors to share with you. Anyway, great job. Rapid Fire Show means lots of Q&A, as much Q&A as we can possibly fit into a show. More questions than we can answer on a regular show with guests. Uh, so we're just going to get right into it. Do you have any points no, to think, add to that? I think we're good. We're, uh, we, uh, this is very exciting. I'll take the blame on this one. I have a meeting, so we had to move something around, blah, blah, blah. So this is my fault. So, uh, but I, I, I really do think these rapid fire shows are pretty awesome. Uh, just to finally, cause we get like lots of cool questions. So it's, it's fun to finally get through, you know, a, a big heap of them. So, I finally feel Heck like yeah, we can add up. some little more random ones in these. Like, what was the guests? We try to like tailor the question to the guest a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So this is cool. This is just this is just me, Chris, and the listener, and the yeah. the question asker. So if, I think we have no audio ones this week, and I kind of picked them on purpose so we can use more audio ones during during the live show. But we do love your audio ones. So if you have a question that you're willing to read it out loud, go to, you know when you're filling out the, the 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 form to send in a question, there's a link to recordmp3.com. Just go there, you know, turn your mic on and talk your question, and then drop the link in the form and send it that way. We do uh, love uh, some audio questions, but this week none of them. We're going to read them out loud in our manly voices. The first question we have here is from Bobby D. He says, I'm a web design dev student considering freelancing. I mainly use WordPress. My question is about contracts. Is there a contract template I can download that will protect me from security flaws, breach of liabilities, especially in the event uh, a WordPress plugin I use has a security flaw and damages a site, or do I have to see a lawyer get a custom contract made, etc.? So, okay, and then I think the rest of his question is relevant here. So, we'll, let's I'll, let me keep going a second. Although I should give free service if a client site needs a, or, or also should I give a free service if a client site needs a security upgrade, even though I haven't worked on the site for six months, or is it best practice to show the client how to upgrade plugins for security patches, which implies teaching them how to back up a database and stuff like that? So what what's the deal? He's you know he's he's worried about you know he's got to perform some security updates on a site, but these people paid him some one off fee, you know. And he's done with them. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we should say we're not lawyers. Um, we, any legal advice we give could probably get you in more legal trouble than it's worth. <laughs> so you should talk to an actual lawyer. But um, like for contracts, templates, there's there's tons. I'm, I, I mean, gosh, I, I feel like you could just Google around for them. AIGA, I think, has a standard like freelancer one. I bought a book from new writers i think like uh this it's called like this business the stuff they didn't teach you at design school and it has a bunch of like sample contract stuff um the the 
for to answer Bobby's question, he's mainly concerned about like security breaches and flaws. Like, like let's say uh, the hacker gets in and erases the database, and the whole site's like exploded. Um, the I I feel like you have. I think the key word there is the site is provided as is, but you know you'd want to get that checked out with a lawyer. Obvo. Yeah, that's tough because it's kind of like, okay, so is it uh, – it's kind of like maybe your fault if it happens. I could see you feeling guilty about something happening to, to the site or whatever. But at the same time, you can't – you know, what you're – the work that you would perform to fix the site or the work you would perform to do these security upgrades or going in and updating WordPress and updating that stuff, that's work. That's skilled work and you deserve to be paid for it. I don't think – all sites you work on get free security updates for life just because you happen to work on the designer, get them set up with WordPress. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing work. You should, be, you should be paid for it. Yeah. I would, I mean, you could maybe like, it's part of your package is like, you know, I, I'll do updates for six months. Like if there's any major updates and I'll take care of that. Uh, but after that, I'm like, you know, X dollars an hour or, you know, and then they like call you once a month or once every six months and they're like, I have all these update things. Can you fix, can you click auto update? And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then you do that for money. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to work that in. Uh, geez, it's going to be tough, uh, typing that password. Um, so that would probably be, I mean, shoot. I think this is where you get into like your business craft. I mean, I don't know that we do that at Paravel. I mean, I don't even know what we do. Trent handles all that. But uh, yeah, I think what you're going to want to do is just kind of set expectation. I mean, you're giving this over. This is a done deal. You, we're done. Thank you. Final payment. You know, be just use. Make sure your language kind of shows that it's done. And then be like, I'm available after this for, you know, my hourly and I would love, you know, I want to help you. So, but that's it. That sounds good. At, at Chapman Design, uh, you know, my boss, Tim, was very interested in building, this is years and years ago, was, it was interested in building a long-term sustainable design business, you know, with like doing the responsible thing kind of as a business owner that has fixed costs like employees and uh, an office and stuff like that. Uh, it's a, it, That can be scary, I, I feel like, when, you know, all, the only payment you ever get is one-off work. So he would try to, when he's getting a new client, he would say, uh, he would try to sell them on a monthly maintenance package where they would literally pay us some dollar amount every single month to deal with stuff like this. Security updates, monitoring for downtime, doing some ongoing kind of loose SEO stuff. Anything we could think of that would be a value add on a monthly basis, we would try to do. So if you're kind of the business owner of your, what you are, if you're a freelancer, you're owner of your own little private freelancing business, that can be good for you long term to uh, get into into the, that kind of work. It can be a little draining because then you end up doing a lot of kind of pseudo boring monthly work, but it may end up building you a better long term business. Totally. And even if it's like a, a couple hundred bucks per client or something, that'll add up, mm -hmm. you know, just starting out. So you can toss hosting into there. And like, we'll host it for you too. Yeah, totally. They know that's valuable. Okay, we got a couple of combined questions here. One from Jack and one from John Impiro. They're both regarding PHP frameworks. Mm. Want to read them up? Yeah, I got this one. Uh, this one's from Jack. Uh, he's saying, what's your PHP framework of choice, if any? I feel the need to learn one, but I'm stuck between choices. I have it narrowed down to either the Yi framework or CodeIgniter. And John Imperio, who we've—I feel like we've had a question from in the past. Um, for the most part, I'm all into WordPress when it comes to building small, medium websites. I came across CodeIgniter, and I'm wondering how it compares to WordPress when building custom web or building websites. With the advancement of a lot of CMS platforms, is it still relevant to use CI over WordPress, Drupal, or Joomla, etc.? I hope that makes sense. Can you give examples on when? and or when not to use CodeIgniter? Is it mainly targeted for web apps, rich interface apps? Uh, am I totally confused here, or do I need to rethink my career? <laughs> that's that's a good one. Uh, 
I come from a design background, but I'm familiar with the MVC approach. And I think it's safe to say I'm beyond the beginner level in PHP. So, uh, two dudes, very confident in PHP, trying to choose a framework and trying to decide when to do that. And understand them in a small way, right? Like they don't uh, like they, uh, you know, John here sounds like he does, he does not even quite sure why you would choose code igniter over over something like WordPress and i i may you, you, correct me if i'm wrong here but with something like code igniter and let's name a few more here so there's so there's ye and ye, then cake cake php code igniter uh i think there's one called kahona um sure and i bet there's way more right there's a bajillion more yeah and these are all specifically PHP ones, and they're not. And then, if we were to open that up beyond PHP, there'd be way more than we could even name like in a row. Rails, Django, blah blah blah. Right. Yep. So what you so with WordPress though, you install it and you get this free backend. You get this whole UI that's for building content. Right. You don't get that necessarily with with Code Igniter or Cake or whatever. There's no. You don't get any like free design work. It's just a framework. F- if you wanted to build a UI, it will give you some tools to build it, right? Or mm-hmm. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's for building an app, whereas WordPress already is the app, <laughs> right? Yeah, like some of them will like drop in Bootstrap now, and, and that's it's like puts Twitter okay. Bootstrap on there, and it's kind of like all the auto-generated templates and forms will use that. So that's cool. Um, it, it gives you a leg up from what it used to. Uh, but I guess yeah. so it dabbles in UI, but yeah. it doesn't assume what you're trying to build. Whereas WordPress assumes that you're building a content kind of site. I mean, I know you can do a, you can build pretty much anything with WordPress, but it's just not the same. It's not it's not hacking this already existing app to do what you want it to do. It's like you you tell it what to do. You know, this is pretty high level stuff here. But. Yeah. So I the so PHP frameworks are cool. I. I started using PHP frameworks like way before, uh, way before like the any content management system got good. So like pre WordPress two point seven or so, you know, I built out a, a bunch of CMSs in Cake PHP, and maybe this answers John's question. But I, I recently was like, gosh, I, I. And working, and I have to like patch all these custom CMSs. I'd rather just be patching WordPress over and over and over, um, or or let the WordPress community fix bugs, and then then I'm just like updating a theme, which is a lot easier than like you know coding your own form generator sort of stuff. So, for to answer John's question, I would say, I I, I would say in most circumstances. And like use WordPress, especially if it's just like a blog, if it's just a fancy blog, use that. But if you're getting into like, you know, heavy application stuff, which it sounds like uh, Jack wants to do, uh, then yeah, then choose a, a, a framework. Uh, I, I personally would probably recommend Code Igniter because most of the cool guys I know do that. But that's all nice. I got. Okay, so it's it's just you know think generally, folks, in in terms of app building. If you don't need all this, all the all the all this you know kind of baggage that WordPress brings along, you kind of want to craft an application from scratch. Uh, but but you still want some help, you know? Like like would, wouldn't it be true to say that CodeIgniter probably has some module for building a login system that yeah. you can optionally yeah. use or not use? Yeah. So that's the kind of thing. I want to build an app, and it needs to have a login system. I don't want to write that from scratch, but I want to write the majority of what my app does from scratch. That's mm-hmm. that's when you're in CodeIgniter and other territory. Uh, or Rails. You know, if you, if you don't even care, if you're just like, I'm just using these because they're PHP and I'm familiar with that, that's fine. But if you're not afraid to learn something new, you can definitely jump into Python or Rails or, or anything like that. And I'm not a huge back-end guy, but I am working on uh, a, a newly Rails project right now, and it is pretty nice. Rails okay. has a lot of nice comforts. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's apps. If you're building... A, Pinterest clone, like Pinterest for babies <laughs> or something like that, or dogs. Oh I, I think a lot about dogs using keyboards. But if you're so, if you're building <laughs> Pinterest for dogs, uh, then probably you want to build an app. 
probably and and WordPress would that would, WordPress would be kind of horrible for that. You know, it'd be all right if you were just doing it, but if you want like millions of users to get acquired by Facebook, then yeah, you like yeah, that's you want to build an app at that point. So mm-hmm. there you go. Adam Houston. Oh, we should we should do the gun. Adam Houston, I would like to hear some discussion on standard practice and the most efficient way to handle modern features in Internet Browser and other legacy non-standard browsers. Uh, like, you know, how to actually implement Modernizer or similar tools. Uh, when to use things like the HTML5 shim? What tools are redundant because they have overlapping features? Uh, when, how should you use backup styling? Uh, he's just saying all this modern stuff that we talk about all the, all the time, a lot of times we talk about it but don't say when and why and how to use these things and i put this one in here because i just gave a talk i was in i'm on this little bar camp tour thing and this i've been doing a little talk called what we don't know and it's about the uh kind of the unknowns in front end uh the unknowns of of one web request and i'm not going to get all into that but but some of the things i talk about are are these things and they're in they're to expose a little bit more understanding on things like for example modernizer so i have a little spiel it won't take too long but i'll give it to you on modernizer we're the type of guys if you listen to podcasts you probably hear about modernizer all the time it's the you know it's people people put it in their in their slides all the time to tell you about how it's this amazing tool that will that will save your hide and how it's perfect for modern features and it, and it is it's cool i i want you to keep, to to keep beating the modernizer drum a little bit so i'm not trying to say modernizers is not that but what it isn't is part of your daily tool set it shouldn't be it's you know notice how it's not baked into the html5 boilerplate it's not something that you should use on every single website that you work on it's not needed for that how you should think of modernizer if you can just get this into your head, this is the this is the thing. It's when you need to uh, uh, have a really clean fork in your code for do this in this situation and do this in in, in a different situation. If you need a fork where you controlling both sides of that fork, uh, a fork that you don't need is like I want to use this cool feature, and then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not just progressive enhancement. It's like it's like I need to control what happens when it is supported, and I need to control what happens when it's not supported. So that that fork. So for an example, it's something like HTML5 date inputs. So you can put input and you put an attribute of type equals date. And in some browsers, at the moment, really only Opera, it will give you this free date picker. You click it, and the date picker opens, and you can pick months and dates and stuff, and you have all this control over it, and it's really nice. But only Opera supports that. So I want to lean on it because so I won't have to load any additional resources if it's available. And if it's not available in most other browsers, I want to load my own date picker JavaScript stuff. So that's the perfect use case i think for modernizer and modernizer.load because then you can you can it's basically the yep nope library by dave's buddy alex sexton right yep, yep. alex's alex is, project isn't it he's a smart so dude. you would say modernizer.inputtypes.date and it would return true or false depending on if the uh, the browser that you're in supports that or not. And if it returns false, you would say, please load this JavaScript and this CSS and my own custom JavaScript that will call the input thing. Uh, so that that's the how to use it, Adam. And, and, and you would know, you would, you would have this mental model of what you need in your head. And you would go to modernizer.com and you, there's a bunch of check boxes you can click when you download it and say, I don't need all of Modernizer. I need Modernizer.load because I'm going to be conditionally calling some scripts. And I need the input testing. And so then when you you click those checkboxes and hit download, and what you get is a very trimmed down version of Modernizer that's very small and only tests the things that you told it to test. Uh, he also asks about the HTML5 shim here. You get that free in Modernizer, so that would that would come along for the ride if you're not using Modernizer. Uh, well, like when do you use it? The when is all the time for the HTML5 shim, assuming you're using an HTML5 doc type, uh, and you would load it in conditional tags that just says if it's lower than IE9, then load the shim up. So that's the when to use that particular thing. 
Uh, hopefully that was useful to you, Adam. Do you have anything to add to that, Dave? No, yeah. I, I want, I'm glad you highlighted the the modernizer has a shim in it, so you don't include those at the same time because you're repeating yourself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you're trying to detect a feature like inline SVG or uh, does this guy play, you know, MP4 video or something, H.264 video, then that's when you kind of want to say, oh, this is a modernizer thing because I'm detecting a feature of the, the browser that's here. And, and yep. in, in theory, I want to do either some backup, you know, fixing to, to say like, oh, if the modernizer says no, then I want to fix it in something older. Uh, that's when you want to use modernizer in if you're if you're just like you exactly. can also just use if you're like I don't care if it doesn't work I don't care if in, inline SVG doesn't work because it's just a a little additional add-on a little icon or something that doesn't matter if it's not there then you don't but if you want to fall back to a flat icon or something you do need to do that test because you need to be like if it's supported use SVG if it's not supported use an image you need a little help yeah so right. so yeah just just use it for features as far as conditional style sheets. Um, Gosh, I, I mean, I don't use them that often anymore, but uh, basically it's the old dark art. It, it was the pre-feature detection way of serving style sheets to something like IE or something like and that. You're, and you're pretending to be cool and <laughs> not pretending. You are cool. You're not using hacks. You're, this is the, the valid way of fixing IE problems. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the old way to do that. I, I, I think you just... Yeah, you can use that to override style sheet problems, and just like you described, Adam, uh, use it sparingly. I, I mean, shoot, I do sites, and I sometimes if I have to make an IE eight style sheet, it's usually just a box model thing, but it's usually just small, small changes, like no more than you know fifty lines max. So. Mm-hmm. There you go. I would also say, Adam, uh, sometimes you might load. Have you ever heard of a polyfill? I feel like the people who talk about polyfills and the people who talk about modernizer are often the same people. They same come dudes. out of the same mouths, you know. And here's the thing: if so, if you're testing for a feature with modernizer, uh, and you and it's and it's not and it comes back false, meaning the browser that you're currently in doesn't support it. A lot of people are like, okay, then load up a polyfill to fix it, which is a little bit weird and at odds and warrants further discussion because if you load up a polyfill then conditionally, which is nice because, you know, don't don't load JavaScript you don't need, then the a true polyfill does browser detection again. Mm-hmm. It will be like, okay, uh, you know what I mean? So now you're doing, you're doing you're feature doubling. detection twice in probably, in probably different ways. That's kind of a micro-optimization thing, so maybe it's not a big deal. I hate to you know, be, be, be worrying you about little things like this when you have kind of bigger performance issues probably on your plate. But it is something to, to think about in a way. Yeah, one, I, I'll give you a concrete example. If we, do we have time? Maybe we should keep going. But one yeah. concrete example was I built this game for the many faces of that it works on your iPad and everything. And I was like, dude, I'll just use UI draggable from jQuery UI and boom, it's going to work. But UI draggable doesn't support touch. So I had to basically detect if the browser supported touch. And if it did, I had to give it a, a touch library like jQuery.touch. And if it didn't, then I gave it UI draggable. So there, and that's how you drag these pieces around. So it, it was, that's, that's an example. You just like detect, does it work? Does it not? Or does it have this? And then boom, fix. Right. Cause you needed that clean fork and behavior where you controlled both sides of the fork. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Okay. Next question. This is from Leonardo Priori. What do you think about one wrapper pseudo selector that should work like after and before pseudos? One possible or problem would be to overwrite when using concatenated wrappers like a colon colon wrapper border red, a colon colon wrapper colon colon wrapper border blue. So you're like concentric wrapping, right? Uh, B wrapper border black uh and and so yeah you're you're basically wrapping a wrapper 
as, as you're you getting a free parent element, even though that parent element isn't in the DOM or yeah. it's not in the HTML that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, personally, Leonardo, I, I quite love that idea. Uh, there was things like so you we get before and after now, which 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 push some stuff within the element inside of it, but there's no outside. Or uh, outside before, or outside after, or whatever. Uh, there's a, the, there used to be a spec. This the the old CSS three spec for pseudo elements contains some of this stuff, uh, uh, nesting them, uh, uh, chaining them, like you're kind of doing here. Uh, it had some of that stuff in it, and then ultimately it was all ripped out. It was all removed because it just wasn't it wasn't explained well enough. Apparently, according to some spec writers I talked to about it. Uh, so they got rid of it. It turns out it's just it's more complicated than you think. It's just it's it's it can be it can be a, a crazy mess. Apparently, uh, I don't have a, a good explanation as to why that is or, or what a crazy mess as far as literally like implementing it in browsers. You're kind of like recreating the DOM in a way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pseudo. Anyway, what what I'm tra- what I would say to you, Leonardo, I have a quick thing uh, about this is that what uh, I, I can see why you would want wrapper. It, it does make sense, but if you're if you want to approach if you want to get the W3C talking about this or propose your idea before proposing colon colon wrapper and your syntax and your idea of what you want here, f- take a minute to explain the problem that you're having first so be like this is what i want to do and this is what i can't do with the tools that we have now because look there's no way to do it and here's oh what i i would maybe then maybe do your solution and how that would help you but if you start with the problem it's it's better to you know it's it's harder to talk about this stuff if if it's if you're already at a solution you're not talking about what the larger problem is that you're trying to solve i hear that from spec writers sometimes they're like people people do that all the time they'll like give us this new syntax they think would be so cool but not tell us why they're even thinking about this new syntax like what what real world thing is it trying to solve uh, so do that yeah yeah make examples make examples uh, I yeah, I can't build on anything you said, so let's move on. <laughs> Sound good? Yay! Boom! Next question. This is from Ben Card, who asks, "What are the downsides to setting the content type of our CSS files as PHP?" Uh, and he's saying, "Use the htaccess directive to then." tell your server to to parse your CSS as PHP, it allows us to do a lot of the same things we can do in SAS and less. We could include other CSS files by literally using like PHP include or whatever. Uh, remove white space and minify it because you can write functions, you know, to, to compress and do that stuff. Uh, have fewer HTTP requests because theoretically, you know, you're just doing these includes so you can uh, smash them together. You could write functions yourself in PHP to do things like add vendor prefixes. You know, certainly you could do variables and other stuff he doesn't mention here too. So he's wondering what 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 the he's seeing the benefits seem to to outweigh any downsides that he's heard about. Is this just a purist bias? Is there is a reason he should be using it, or is he, or he's missing something? So what's the problem? Why don't we just why don't we just write our CSS files as a programming language and tell uh tell the server to to parse them as that language? but serve them across the wire as CSS. Why don't we do that? <laughs> so, yes, it is a it is part purist bias, I, I think. But more... So what he's describing, what they built with this PHP thing, or maybe they haven't, but what, what you're building with this PHP thing that ha- also does CSS, you're building another compiler called fast let's call it ph fast or whatever <laughs> so your fast thing is cool and it does a lot of the same things but uh, eventually it's gonna have to recompile itself because you're not just doing a static file whether sure you probably did caching but then somebody was like oh i want to change the background to pink and then it had then your sass your fast engine had to like recompile that's i mean that's a very minor problem i mean caching should work but one person 
every whatever 3600 seconds is going to get a slow web page like a super slow render and that's not a huge deal but it could be you know what it's that old like what if the boss uses that or what if the a millionaire who wants to give you a million dollars comes by and he gets the slow web page that then that's a problem Mm-hmm. Uh, no more than any other PHP site or like PHP generated page. Uh, for me, the big problem is no one is using PFAS. You know, SAS and Less right. are, are are very ubiquitous. They're very well documented. They're very powerful. They're they're way ahead of the game. You'd be spending a lot of time trying to repeat a lot of time and energy and in cash money to repeat the functionality just for your company. Uh, whether you're a giant app or whatever, because Chris at Wufu, you used to do something very similar. Is that right? Yeah, uh, we did. We used a little PHP to do some of the concatenation and minification of them. We didn't do any fancy like vendor prefix function stuff, which would be weird because, yeah, you're writing a lot of code that's just for you then, and it, it wouldn't follow you from project to project. You'd have to like bring that code over, and then you're maintaining this code in a bunch of different places, which sucks. And, uh, and you know, Dave's saying caching would work. Caching would definitely work like in the, in the browser on the client side. The CSS file that gets served would be cached, and hopefully you would do smart set your smart HDI access handlers that would uh, tell it to, to hold on to that for a while. But I'm not sure how well caching would work on the server. You definitely need, definitely, definitely needs like Redis or whatever. One of these like things that would would run that PHP once and then, and then save a cached copy of that CSS server side. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do that, at literally every request for that CSS file would have to, to run PHP to to grab these files, concatenate them, remove the white space, do all, run through your functions and pass that. I mean, PHP is, is fast. It wouldn't take that long, but it's like, really, you're going to process this thing all together, you know, do some, some server work other than just serving a file for every single page request. Uh, that's a lot. It's yeah. in, in, at high levels, your server is going to be sitting there cranking away, just doing this over and over and over and over and over just for a CSS file. Uh, yeah. when that could be pre-processed together is inefficient. You're, you're literally wasting cycles. So if you showed up on hacker news or something like that, and you know, thousand people a second are hitting your website, you're going to have pro your servers just going to fall over uh, unless yep. you're. Sure. Spending a million dollars on like cyberspace hosting, yeah. so yeah, hardcore so, caching. So that I, it's I, complicated. I, I'm just in. So back to the purest thing. It, it sort of is. It's sort of uh, yeah. Let's just serve browsers CSS because that's that's what they understand and that's what that's what's easiest for them. And yeah, but uh, again, Ben, you're not you're not wrong. Like you're basically re creating a preprocessor if you're doing it all in PHP or something like that, but you're wasting cycles kind of is my, is my IMHO there. Yep. Good, good stuff though. Good question. I want to tell you not. Okay. Let's see. You want to do this one here? Yeah. Dan. Dan. Owls of Kav. I'm sorry. Let's get, let's give that a real. uh, Did I? Yeah, you nailed it. You did. Good job. (laughs) Okay. From Dan. This is from Dan. Uh, I would like to know how we, programmers and designers, live with sedentary lifestyle. I'm worried about my back and my eyes uh, because I spend more than six hours a day in front of a computer. Maybe you do too. Most definitely. Uh, what I want to know are how many hours you spend on the computer every day, and do you have any health issues after working so many years in your industry? Six hours, lightweight. Yeah, double that. No talk, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't know what it's like, man. Till you've done an eighteen-hour binge. No, uh, good question. This is actually like a very serious question. Uh, I, I can start. I'll be. I'll be very. This is going to be like a Tyra Banks moment here. This is just going to be really. You know, this is just going to be really dramatic. That's not the right sound effect. Uh, uh, so, like, I, 
you know, I do lead a sedentary lifestyle and I just, I just sit at my computer and I just eat a bunch of crap and dude, I like put like, I put tons of weight on. So I just had to like lock it down and, and I got on a diet and I got on like, you know, that that's been great for me that, so that, that like you're going to have to either exercise and a lot of people swear by like going out for a run and stuff like that. That helps them think, you know, cause, and, and that's smart. That's do whatever you got to do. Um, just make sure your sedentary lifestyle, you aren't piling on. Like you're not like working eight hours or six or eight hours a day and then playing like world of Warcraft all night, you know, like find, find some balance there. That's kind of the, the big thing, uh, back to, uh, back and eyes that this is a good question. Um, I wear glasses so you can get like special film coating on your glasses for computers. And I tend to pay the up bucks for that. But for your back, the best advice buy the, like an expensive chair, like <laughs> it, like go to Herman Miller or whatever design within reach and, you're going to be like, dude, that's like a month's salary. Um, just do it. It's worth every penny. It makes like, I had this old chair from like target. It was awful. It like every day I was like my, 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 you know, my asterisk really hurts. And, uh, <laughs> it, it was awful. I, it was the worst feeling in my whole life. And I had all these like cushions, you know, like these neoprene foam things. It was just, you know, I'm piling on like dorky, you know, there I fixed it things for my chair. Uh, but then I, I finally upgraded my chair and it's been great. I like you, you got to get a chair that is, yeah. The, the adage I heard was expensive chair, cheap desk. So buy the cheapest yeah. desk you can find That's in the, the startup philosophy. Yeah, yeah. In the most expensive chair you can find. Yeah. That's how I'm rolling in my Herman Miller chair and Target flip out the table thing. That's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it's pretty decent. It's pretty decent. Sometimes I wish I had a uh, like a lazy boy as a chair and like my desk was mounted up on top of that. But that would be even more sedentary than I am now. <laughs> I'm the last guy to be talking about health because I am an overweight man. Who? Uh, uh, but I'm. I'm. I'm uh, the reason I am happy to talk about it is because I I've, I've changed my diet recently and trying some low carb stuff that's working out really well for me, uh, despite the sedentary lifestyle. Uh, and just up, upping my exercise a little bit, and I've been doing a pretty good job. So I'll share more about that later, uh, which is pretty cool. I would say just because you do spend a lot of hours in front of the computer today doesn't mean that you need to be unhealthy. I work with uh, at the Survey Monkey office right now. There's just there's just the biggest variety of people ever, from people like me to people like I work with a girl named Ashley who's like was did the Olympic trials for running recently. So she's mm. like the healthiest person ever uh yeah and the brakes thing is a big deal you know uh that like if you work 10 hours in a row at your computer and you haven't got up very much or you only got up to to eat a hungry man dinner at the end of those 10 hours you're certainly not doing your best work i promise you you're not so break it up break it up peoples yeah I would almost say there's like four hours of guaranteed productivity in a day, four to five, mm -hmm. you know, and the rest right. is just kind of like getting podcast through Podcast time. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just record podcasts every afternoon. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, some of it's learning, some of it's, you know, uh, but yeah, so just budget your time, I think. You, you'll figure it out real, real fast, so... There's also standing desks. A lot of people swear by those. Uh, mm -hmm. I have one that I sit at. It's really... <laughs> I literally got one, and it's always down. Yeah. Uh, this is a good topic for more, though. Maybe we should bring on a health person at some point as a guest, or we should at least do some follow-up from other people who write in and tell us about being healthy as a yeah, worker or person. Yeah, maybe that's some. Somebody could call in and record and say real like a thirty second. Here's what I do to stay healthy. Ta da! Do that, people. Done. Okay. Boom. Next. Uh, this is from Emery Chama Suvi and Shuvi, and they're asking some elements like calendar, 
Price range slider worked best with jQuery UI, but I hate using it. HTML5 spec is moving slowly, but like Soviet... Like Soviet bureaucracy. Duh! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, HTML5 input type range doesn't solve my problem about price range sliders. How do we do it nowadays? Ooh, good question. So, I so jQuery UI is. It took me a while to realize this. It's really smart, and the things that they have set up, like all the all the CSS hooks and all of that, it, it's actually really really smart and really stylizable, customizable. So I wouldn't hate on it too much, Chris. That's what I'm saying, yo. Every time somebody's like, "Ease jQuery, uh, it's too heavy. Mm, it's got all this cruft in it," and then they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna build one from scratch." And then they're like, "Yeah, but I need a slide start and slight end event and during slide and before slider build and after slider build callback." And you know, like every and then the next day they add five more, like jQuery UI, the, people think it's heavy because every one of their methods or the things that you need, like a slider, has like a million options and a million callbacks and all this type of stuff. And you're like, gosh, I don't need all that stuff. This code is so heavy. And then it turns out later you do need it, you know, or something comes up that is just going to be a pain in the ass to write. It takes a while to just get get over yourself and use jQuery UI for a lot of things, I think. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been in situations where we're like – like absolutely not going to use jQuery UI and then spend months rewriting jQuery UI. Uh, and it's are, not. Well, the, I was going to say there are places where like calendar, like, like opera, I think has a date picker and Chris, you would know more about this. You're the forms guy, but uh, like, so there are date pickers and they're rad and like, I want to use them. But, but then you're back kind of what we were talking about earlier. Then you have to polyfill for not having that and yep. then you're styling the default browsers calendar and these this polyfill calendar which you're probably using jquery ui anyway so at that point you probably would just want to use jquery ui until right catches up and then the events are different too you know like you need to be like okay they've they've selected a date now did they like do i get uh, uh, in HTML5, you'd have to use like on change or whatever. You'd have to use the, you know, and then in jQuery UI, it's a different custom callback when they pick a date. So like then you'd ha- you have to abstract your code at, to a higher degree so that you watch for both of those two events and call some function that deals with it and passes the data in a slightly different way and all that stuff. It is, a little <laughs> and, and Emmer here is talking about like ranges, right? Like the HTML, there's a, there's a HTML5 input range, which is this little track and it's got a little slider in it and you move it back and forth and it's for, it's for picking a value, but the, as far as the spec says, it's a value that doesn't, uh, you, you, it does, shouldn't matter what the exact value that gets passed to the server is. The UI shouldn't need to tell you what it is and it doesn't. It's just a, you just slide it to the left or right. You'd be like, how happy are you with this service? And you'd just be like, I'm mostly happy. It would be like three quarters of the way up, you know, that type of thing. And he's saying he wants to use it as a, as a price slider, like have two little chunks on there and be like, it's between, it would be like at the extreme ends, it would be like zero and a thousand or something. And then you could drag one up. They'd be like, I want to see between five and $400 or something like an Amazon price viewer thing. HTML5 doesn't have that. So he's saying that HTML5 spec is moving too slowly. Like, like, like maybe someday it will have that feature in it. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I can't promise you either way, man. But, uh, uh, it does. It certainly doesn't exist now. So if you know that you need this, like you know, a slider with with two little handles on it, uh, that's custom code or jQuery UI territory anyway. So I would say just stop stop hating on it so bad. Just just use it. <laughs> Sounds good. Boom. Next question. This uh, uh, do you want to read this one? It's your turn. It's your turn, Chris. Okay. An important part of being a freelancer and being able to market yourself is your domain name, right? This is Thomas Bates. Did I say that? Uh, well, if your name is completely taken, apparently Thomas Bates um, 
he's having problems with that, or perhaps unusable. Oh, oh which... don't go to that site. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. how, how can people come up with these witty names that I see everywhere? And even better, how can one be original these days when it comes to naming your company? Uh, he's basically just asking how to be creative, I think, which is a larger conversation than, than I know how to have right now. Uh, so how do you how do you come up with witty names? How do you uh, how do you get fancy domain names? Dave has a few tools. I think. Yeah, so there's there's like two tools. I think you're gonna want like uh, this is like branding, classic. Like how do you do branding? Uh, so coming up with a name is is tough. There's like the obvious, you know, like Flickr probably couldn't get Flick or Flick with an er, so they dropped the e. Boom. They have a domain. It's reasonably popular. It gets bought by Yahoo. Ta-da. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, so you're going to have to either uh, so come up with a, a name. Some cool sites I've seen. Um, there's a site called Thesaurus, which is Thesaurus, the synonym, synonym finder. Uh, thesaurus without the vowels. Uh, we can post a link, I guess, in the show notes, uh, Thesaurus. And then there's also another site called Domainer, D-O-M-A-I dot N-R. And, like, you just type a word like ninjas and it'll, like, try to find a URL that is, at, like, you know, like one of those dot I-O or dot E-S domains that's pretty close. Uh, we I, we should tell this story we tried to do that for shop talk. We, we thought we were going to be super cool and be like, call the shop talk site shop which is like a Sri Lankan domain name. And it went terrible. Like they started wanting, <laughs> like they wanted like my social security and stuff. And then, and I was just like, I don't want to send some dude in Sri Lanka my social security number. No offense to Sri Lankans, but I just started getting uncomfortable. And then it just was like, are you a registered business in Sri Lanka? And it's like, of course not. I'm on the internet. I just want a cool domain name. So it just sort of ended. Uh, it didn't happen. So that's why we're shoptalkshow.com. So you just got to kind of, you got to haggle with, with what, what you're, you're, you're given, I guess. Did I answer yeah. that well? Yeah, you did. I would say, uh, you know, you could use the CSS tricks method and just put a dash in it. <laughs> put a dash in it. It yeah. works. It's kind of like work. once if your site or your brand or whatever is useful and memorable, you're going to be at the top. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you, you'll you'll be findable is kind of the deal. So, um I think rare is it that I type in domain names by hand. People Google you. Like, does the guy, does the dude with CSS tricks without a hyphen, is he just making crazy cash or is he like no stealing hits? No, it's it's all. I haven't even been there in a while. It's always your blog that shows up, you know, like in all the searches and stuff. So, yeah, I would. I'm sure once in a while people accidentally type it in and then they just immediately go somewhere else without clicking on anything, you know. Yeah. I think just be ghetto about it, like put a put a hyphen or drop a vowel or something. That's a good place to start. Or sure. do the dribble and stretch thing. your creative muscles, man. Just go to sleep thinking about it. Maybe you'll wake up with an amazing name for your business or personal site or whatever your question is or whatever you had in mind when you typed this question. Next. Chuck, chuck, chuck. Okay, here we go. So this is from Chris Ising. Hi, I'm looking for a way to make an image disappear when I scroll down. Trying to make it uh, do this with just CSS, but JavaScript is perfectly fine too. Also, I'm trying to do this in a Joomla theme. I haven't looked everywhere, but I haven't found much. So make an image disappear when he scrolls down. So like I'm very it's a little hard to think about. Do you have something in mind? What do you think he's asking about? Yeah, so like let's say I have like a hero image or something, and maybe when I scroll down it like will disappear. Does it pop off the DOM? I don't really know. Um 
Uh, well, one way is to do nothing, and when you scroll down, it will disappear above the page, above the browser window. Possibly. So yeah. I'm assuming he's talking about fixed position, so you can see this image at all times, and when he oh. scrolls, maybe it changes the opacity value of it or something, yeah, which, you know, you through JavaScript, you can test scroll position, so you would just be like, what's this, what is the current percentage of the way that you've scrolled down the page, which would just be like scroll position divided by document height or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and then set that to the CSS opacity value you could tr- try to do something like that or you could like have another fixed p- or like an absolutely positioned element that's down a little farther on the page that has a higher Z index value and so when you scroll up it like goes and covers this fixed position one maybe uh, yeah there you go so yeah. many different ways and Joomla is irrelevant here it doesn't Joomla d- it doesn't care how you hide an image as you scroll down the page yeah. 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 Uh yeah, I think yeah, JavaScript or I like that I like that absolute or the like cover it with something. So yeah, you That'll could, be the CSS only way or whatever. Yeah, you could it, do- we just need to know what exactly what you're talking about, Chris. It's too hard to tell. You know, I, I know you know, you said image disappear, you scroll down, but that's not quite enough for us to give you the perfect solution. Yep. Yep. So Boom. well good luck. Here we go. Next question. It, this is from Eddie Machado, which is kind of the raddest last name I've heard in a while. So I have a question about Eddie Machado. It sounds like machete. It's radical. Yeah. Um, I have a question about working with a responsive site. I'm not a big fan of using Display None to hide things at different breakpoints. I'd much rather be able to remove add things via jQuery. The problem is I haven't found a reliable script that allows me to do this both after the initial load and when the user resizes. What are your thoughts on this technique and do you have any script recommendations? Mm-hmm. Well, you can and through JavaScript you can just test, you know, window.with or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. so you can just so, uh, you can just attach a uh, onload and resize event to that to 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 window dot on resize or whatever it is, and uh, and then just test window dot with and have a bunch of like a switch statement or or so, like an if if window dot with is between these two things then do this and if it's between these other things do this. Uh, you don't really need media queries. You just test that value and write a series of if then kind of statements. I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. Um, I have a friend who wrote this. Uh, he, he's here in Austin, but um, Ben Brown, he wrote this script called breakpoints.js, uh, which uh, you set a bunch of breakpoints and then you get it creates functions or, or it creates actually events that you can tag onto. Like, let's say you set a breakpoint at 320 pixels, then you get two functions or two event handlers. Enter breakpoint 320 and exit breakpoint 320. So when you oh, enter nice. that one, you could uh, you could kind of just suddenly show it, and if you exit that one, then you could also show it, sort of thing. Uh, that would be good. Jeremy Keith wrote a pretty good article on 24 ways about how he would do that. And in, in gosh, I wish I knew the name of it. I'll maybe Google it. Jeremy Keith. It's funny there are there there's um a, a JavaScript I think modern browsers have a way to test media queries. Yeah, you know what I mean like literally with the same syntax, which is cool. It's just like that would be if you need a, to test a media query that can do something other than width based ones. Like you want to test the uh, pixel density or whatever media queries can do. If you're just testing width, I don't think you need to use that because it's too modern. You know, you might as well use something that works as far back as you can get it, which window.with certainly does. Yeah. yeah. I'd say this works best with the mobile-first strategy because he's saying he doesn't want to just display none stuff, which makes sense to me because that's... Uh, like, I don't I don't have a big problem with that per se unless you're... You know, you like start with this really heavy desktop site and then you just, at lower widths, you just hide a bunch of stuff. So that means on mobile, your site is heavy still because it loads all that stuff despite if it's display none or not. And then, you know, there's some research that needs to be done in this area about what loads and what doesn't. But certainly it loads 
um, the HTML that doesn't that it doesn't need to, mm-hmm. uh, and that you know I'm super guilty of that. I'm probably going to redesign CS tricks, and I probably will start with the desktop size because I just I just it, that's Chris, still kind of how I work in my mind. I don't know. I, just, I have I know, but uh, if you start with a just a, a a set of 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 mobile, for lack of a better word, or small small screen. Size and then use jQuery to like then Ajax in additional content as it got bigger. That makes sense to me because it's 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 you know the smallest screen ha- you know which is probably correlates to the to the slowest bandwidth in a lot of cases um, gets the lightest page and then you Ajax in stuff that you need as you get larger and then if you go back smaller again, I would hesitate to rip it out of the DOM I, as you get smaller again. I would say just display none. <laughs> Yeah, because wh- why just, rip it out and need to Ajax it again? Yeah, that's... Or just have it. I mean, because then you're just yeah talking to web designers probably at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing Jeremy Keith recommends. He says mobile first, and then it's called con- conditional 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 loading for responsive designs. It was his 24 ways article this year, and um, so yeah, it's he's smart. He's smart. He's smart dude. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, oh. mobile first. Try it out. Try it out. Even you, Chris. I'm gonna write a big blog post when you redesign your site about how much, we'll see. how wrong you how did it because it's not mobile first. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. It depends on your situation a little bit. I'd like to. Uh, I just I I get like 0.04 percent mobile traffic on CSS tricks, and I like designing mobile. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's not wild. a good reason because it's that's that's horse before the cart kind of territory that we'll talk sure, about sure. some other time. Let's move on though. Moving on. Oh, I probably should do a sound effect. How's that sound? Oh, crap. Oh, here we go. There we go. Boom. <laughs> Tom Ashworth, how do you price yourself? I'm a young freelancer. I'm terrible at asking for money. Did you ever have that problem? How did you get ever over through it, Rana? Yes, I absolutely did have that problem, Tom. I feel like it is an uncomfortable thing if you're brought up in a in a just a in a proper in a, in a you know in a in a house that just has a little you know you just it's weird to just ask for money even if you are performing. Uh, a service don't you think isn't it isn't a little uh, awkward uh it's terrible it's terrible uh yeah. i would so uh, you know i've done like some moonlighting stuff you know you're just picking up like extra work like your friends are like hey can you build me a blog and you're like um, okay sure and chris you've probably been in that situation maybe before as well um but so you don't really know what you're you know you're just like i don't know i know sort of what my company charges, but then I, I don't. So I used to be like, ah, here you go. Here's my friend rate. And then I realized, man, that I'm giving away like my free time. Like that should be the most expensive time I have, <laughs> you know? So like, <laughs> I, I mean, I so like- my, my like friend rate or like my after for fun rate actually went up. Cause it's like, well, if I'm going to cause, you know, like every second I'm I'm working, I'm not hanging out with my wife or my dog, you know. So that, I mean, I better make a lot of money if I'm doing, <laughs> not doing the stuff I want to do. So, so how did you get over the awkward part? Well, I, you just kind of go for it, and you just be like, yeah. "That's what it is." And <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. you just like, I I mean, there's always that like, what do people say? Like if people say yes on when you bid something like immediately then you didn't bid enough isn't that the old the old (laughs) saying so uh so you just yeah every time you're like um i'm uh, 72 billion a month you know like then they're like yeah okay and then you're just like darn it like (laughs) that should be your first response so you should just i don't know just get shrewd a bit that's kind of the I think you make money and you stay in business if you're just a little bit shrewd um, and, and not like, but you're worth it too. I mean, this, like I said, it's your time. That's what, what, that's the yep. only you thing know you what? can sell. So. It's going to be better if you just get you. Oh, so, okay. I don't have any, I don't have anything about the awkwardness. Maybe take a pill or something or whatever, or oh, just yeah, bite dude, the bullet. Do a well, bunch of drugs. Really... <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do hard drugs right before you pitch. 
There was I just watched a movie the other day that was like all it needs oh it's like we bought a zoo or something which I didn't even hate. Anyway, it was like all you need in life is ten seconds of extraordinary courage or something. And that was like a repeating theme in it. Anyway, Tom, just you know, just summon it up for one second. Draft the email and just, you know, ah, click the button to send it, you know? And that email within it is, you know, it just says, Hey, I you know. This is this is my rate. I looked at your project. This is what I would charge for, whether you do it hourly or by the project or whatever. And just get over it. and it's gonna it's gonna benefit you. Not like, oh, I got that awkward thing over with me. It's gonna it's gonna set up this this relationship of mutual respect, you know, because you've already talked about the money thing. That's out of the way. It's I'm gonna do this job for you and, and explain, you know, and not don't, don't just give them a number. Tell tell them what that number means too, you know. It means, you know, maybe I'm going to do this thing for you. It's based on this many hours. If it goes much over that, we're going to have to have another conversation or or if it's, you know, or it's for these features. And if the, those features change any, we'll have to talk about it again. You know, be very clear about all that stuff. And it sets up this mutual understanding and respect that uh, it's just going to make, make you have less awkwardness later. So you have to do this one awkward thing first to to avoid more awkwardness later. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I, yeah, I think you, you could also work for somebody. Did we already say that? Like, go work somewhere. Yeah, if you if you can't it. handle it, if you just can't handle it, I would say yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not cut up for it. I, I still find it awkward, so I just don't mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you just got to either be bold about it or work be work for somebody who is bold about it sort of deal so there you go yes last question okay boom okay i feel like this is one we've had around for quite a while here it really has somebody wrote in with a they just a really simple question they wanted to make a triangle and they wanted to put a shadow around the triangle and they wanted to do it in css this is from "Hmm, prayag verma and uh so yeah triangle in shadow yeah, it's oh. weird, right? You can't just a triangle isn't a shape in that you can make uh, really in the CSS, right? There's no like triangle element. All elements are, you know, you make a div and you give it a width and height. It's a rectangle. You can apply some border radius to it and you can get a circle or an ellipse or a rounded rectangle or all this stuff. There is a little trick in CSS to get a triangle, which is making a zero by zero width box and then and then um, giving that box some. Uh, a, a a border with a color on wo- on one or two of its of its sides, and making the other ones transparent. And the way that borders connect to each other, you get a triangle. So that is a cool way to get a triangle. But that doesn't help you with shadow because if you then were to apply shadow to that element, the shadow would go around the, the you know the rectangular box, not the edges of the triangle. Hopefully that made sense to folks here. So uh, the the triangle, the normal triangle trick in CSS isn't going to help you in a way. So uh, there's probably a couple ways you could go about this. Uh, one of them that I that I kind of worked up here was to make a box with a div with relative positioning, then use a pseudo element to make another box then uh, that that sits inside of it, and so the parent one has overflow hidden. And the other one is absolutely positioned, and you rotate it 45 degrees, and uh, 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 so and and then hang it out of the box halfway, so it hides mm. half of the box, and it and it shows you then you know a triangle is exposed, and then give a box shadow to the internal one, which can cover two of the sides of the shadows, <laughs> and then put a box shadow with negative spread radius on the parent, so it's just the shadow hangs off one side, and you have this, and you kind of have replicated this this shadowed triangle with with the shadow hanging off all three sides of the triangle. It's a lot of code. It's pretty convoluted. Uh, so that, that it just happens to be one way you could go about it. I will post a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, do note that there's also a you know icon fonts often have a triangle in them or or multiple triangles in them uh, to use. So look at look look at icon fonts because then you just use the character for a triangle and apply text shadow to it. So there you go. Yeah. There's also even if you don't want to use a font, there's a Unicode character for different triangles. Um, uh, so feel free, to, feel free to use that, and and note that if the triangle isn't quite in the shape that you want, you could always rock it in a display inline block span, 
and then use WebKit transform to kind of stretch and squish it out uh, in, in, in a way, you know? That's hardcore. And you can apply... You can apply text shadow again to those Unicode things. So, a couple different ways for you there. We're ending the show with some bona fide CSS tricks. I should do a blog post on this one. Why yeah, not? do it. <laughs> okay, we did it. Well, we did. Chris, good. That's an hour of rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is great. I really thank you everyone for sending in questions. That was really awesome of you. Uh, keep sending them in shoptalkshow.com slash ask. Uh, but like we said at the top of the show, we love the audio ones. So send those please. And then, um, yeah, I guess follow us on Twitter at shop talk show. You, I mean, I, we get some questions there, but, uh, we just like to hear what you guys think. And then also, um, you know, rate us in iTunes. That's a great way to let us know what you think of the show here. So go to iTunes, find us, and then click the the five star. I don't think you can leave a rating until you click the five star. I'm I'm confused. <laughs> no, That's I don't. Really, I'm, I, I'm lying. And it's different depending if you do it on your phone or if you do it in the iTunes app. I think. Oh, okay. but anyway, yeah, cool. We have yeah, some yeah. good reviews. So if you've already done that, thanks. You're nice people because we have thanks, a dude. five star average. What do you think about we, that? We need to find those people and high five them. We do. Send them, send them a autographed copy of my dog. That's all I got. Okay. Hey, Chris, what do we need? Shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>